Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ah, isn't it good that we can join together? Transcending time and space, I know it is. And I thank you for joining with me right now. Let's dedicate this time together to our healing. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love to have a healing. (laughs) All right, let's begin with our hand on our heart, and I'll say a blessing here for both of us. So grateful, so thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and leave the past behind. We are grateful to give up all attraction to repeating the painful past. We are grateful to dissolve and resolve all attachments to trying to make sense of the past. We are grateful to give ourselves freedom. Freedom is ours now and forever. It always has been. We've always been free. Now we're willing to see it to be it and to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and thankful to let go of the painful past and to stand in the present moment, broadcasting love, being truly helpful, and living a life of joy. This is what we name and claim, and we are grateful to let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. So this week, as usual, I ask Spirit, what am I to talk about? Because it doesn't really matter to me at all. And uh, what I got was disappointments. And so then sitting with it and flipping through A Course in Miracles, I came to the section, it's chapter 16, section 7, the end of illusions. And from there, I got to the topic today, which is stop repeating the painful past. Something I would say all of us have done. All of us. I would venture to say there's not a person on the planet, what a unique person they would be, (laughs) if they didn't experience repeating the painful past. So let's dive into this, because for me, I don't know if you're like me, uh, probably you are, why would you be listening? Because like attracts like. But if you're like me, repeating the painful past is like 10 times as painful because we feel like we should know better. We get to a point where we're like, oh, no, not this again. And uh, I just had this experience with my puppy because I take her to run with my teacher's dog, and we're out in the country. We're out in the boonies, boonie, boonie town, and where we have acres of fields around the houses. And so I let them run and play, and I've learned I have to keep Bodie on a 20-foot, 30, I actually have her on a 30-foot line. And she never gets caught on anything, really. And they're just running and playing and romping. Occasionally they get tangled up in each other a little bit, but I've never seen anything really uh happen and uh, just the lead gets very dirty (laughs) dragging it through the mud and all the stuff and um, but it's very helpful because if she starts to go in a direction she's not supposed to go in I can grab the lead and and prevent her from doing that well she just took off and um, she went in an area she had never been before and she I lost sight of her I had my dog whistle, I'm calling, I've got treats, she's long gone with my teacher's dog, who really is just keeping her company too, because he's very protective of her. 
And so I've lost both dogs now. So anyway, uh, story, all, all ends well. There was no, no bad part of the story. It's just a drag for me because now I have to, I really have to find um, a, a solution because I can't let her run freely. She will take off if it's not a fenced-in area, if there's no boundaries. When I was up in Maine in November, we have no fences. There's a tree line around the house, and there's the water line. Uh, so we're woods on, um, like, most of, most, 300 degrees is woods, and 60 is uh, water, ocean. But she just never took off very far, you know. If she did, she came back, and 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 it was fine, because she was by herself, and she was less adventurous by herself. But with the other dog, she has more courage, and so she'll run off, and she doesn't listen to me. So I've got to have another strategy, and it makes me a little sad because... I mean, not really. I don't actually feel sad, but it's just a bit of a bummer because I want her to be able to run and run and run and run, and I can't run like she runs. So how do I do that and keep her confined? I don't have a way. So she's not going to get the same amount of exercise. She's fine with me alone, but yeah. So anyway... I having this experience where she took off. It's I've had it happen enough times. This was the worst time, and so it's like okay, I can't repeat the painful past anymore. I have to do something different. So here comes the topic for the week. All right, so uh, chapter sixteen, section seven. It begins. It's entitled "The End of Illusions." It is impossible to let the past go without relinquishing the special relationship. Oh, okay, so this is interesting, right? For the special relationship is an attempt to reenact the past and change it. Oh, that's good to know. The special relationship is an attempt to reenact the past and change it. I think we can all pretty much see how that is. So let's say we had a difficult time with a friend. Now we've got a special friend and they complete us, right? The special friend loves us the way our other friend didn't love us. This friend loves us completely for who we are, whereas the other friend didn't. And these are just the thoughts we make up about things. So the special relationship is an attempt to reenact the past and change it. So in this new special relationship, everything's going to go well. In this new special relationship, everything is going to come up roses. In this new special relationship... Uh, there won't be disappointments. There won't be attachments. There won't be cravings and aversions. There won't be complaints and betrayals and all the things that have bothered us with the special relationships in the past. This one is different. Jesus says, Imagine slights, remembered pain, past disappointments, perceived injustices and deprivations all enter into the special relationship, which becomes a way in which you seek to restore your wounded self-esteem. Remember, I frequently talk about special relationships as being you plus me equals shelter from the storm, right? So it's that Restoration of our wounded self-esteem. It's the you-complete-me relationship. Ah, now I am complete. Now I am loved. Now I am perfect in the eyes of this beholder. Now I'm validated. Now I'm liberated. These are all the kinds of thoughts we have in a special relationship. 
goes on to say, What basis would you have for choosing a special partner without the past? Every such choice is made because of something evil in the past to which you cling and for which must someone else atone. The special relationship takes vengeance on the past. So this is something we see a lot of, where someone is deeply wounded and hurt in their relationship, let's say marriage, and they go out and they find a partner who is new and improved and on paper looks so much better than their old partner, right? This is something we see a lot. The new partner is more attractive. The new partner is more better in a myriad of different ways than the old partner. And it's a kind of uh, F you to the old partner. And uh, we see it a lot in painful marriages. And so this new relationship is going to be so much better. And, you know, I also see it's quite common for the person to actually be complete with the new partner very quickly sometimes, very quickly, and actually wish to go back to the old partner and try again because they realize, oh, I had unrealistic expectations. I was really not all I could be in that former relationship. And so I'd much rather work things out with this former relationship where that person actually really loved me much more than the this new partner who kind of loves the idea of me. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of being in a relationship with someone who really likes the idea of you <laughs> far more than they actually like you. So they're living in the uh, relationship that's in a fantasy in their their mind and not in the actual relationship. So these are common things that people do, and it's all about really trying to undo the painful past and to say, okay, in the past I had this awful experience, but in this new relationship I can have a an experience that proves I'm a good person. It proves I'm worthwhile. It proves I'm attractive. It proves I'm desirable. It proves I'm wonderful, whereas that old relationship seemed to prove just the opposite. These kinds of adventures in ego relationships, these special relationships are deeply unsatisfying, deeply painful. And we just go round and round and round in ways that are absolutely exhausting. So the special relationship takes vengeance on the past. By seeking to remove suffering in the past, it overlooks the present in its preoccupation. So the only place we can be happy, be loving, live a fulfilling life is in the present moment. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. We all know that, even though we still fantasize about having a perfect relationship in the future. What we're learning to live is to be here now, to really be here now, to be awake and attuned to the present moment in such a way that we can experience pure presence, that we can experience the pure love of God as our very life and being. So the special relationship takes vengeance on the past by seeking to remove suffering in the past. It overlooks the present in its preoccupation with the past and its total commitment to it. So just think, if you're seeking out a special relationship in the present moment, 
you can see how it would be a total commitment to reliving the past and bringing it to a different conclusion, making up for it, which it's just not possible. We have to accept what happened in the past and not make the meaning of it, not interpret it as having anything to do with who we are. Which is tricky because it's not the way of the ego and the ego is the way of the world. But we're changing that. We are changing that. Jesus says, No special relationship is experienced in the present. Shades of the past envelop it and make it what it is. It has no meaning in the present. And if it means nothing new, excuse me, and if it means nothing now, it cannot have any real meaning at all. How can you change the past except in fantasy? And who can give you what you think the past deprived you of? Who can give you what you think the past deprived you of? The past is nothing. Do not seek to lay the blame for deprivation on it, for the past is gone. You cannot really let go what has already gone. It must be, therefore, that you are maintaining the illusion that it has not gone because you think it serves some purpose that you want fulfilled. And it must also be that this purpose could not be fulfilled in the present, but only in the past. Do not underestimate the intensity of the ego's drive for vengeance on the past. It is completely savage and completely insane. The ego remembers everything you've done that has offended it, and seeks retribution of you. The fantasies it brings to its chosen relationships in which to act out its hate are fantasies of your destruction. For the ego holds the past against you, and in your escape from the past, it sees itself deprived of the vengeance it believes you so justly merit. Yet, Without your alliance in your own destruction, the ego could not hold you to the past. In the special relationship, you are allowing your destruction to be. That this is insane is obvious. But what is less obvious is that the present is useless to you while you pursue the ego's goal as its ally. The past is gone. Seek not to preserve it in the special relationship that binds you to it and would teach you salvation is past. So you must return to the past to find salvation. There is no fantasy that does not contain the dream of retribution for the past. Would you act out the dream or let it go? So this is why I'm such a big proponent for recognizing that Fantasy can act like a drug. So a drug is to escape this world. Fantasy is to escape this world. We're living in a dream, uh, an illusory reality, a dreamlike state, and we're trying to escape it by going into fantasy. Very, very common for spiritual students to invest huge amounts of time and energy in fantasy. It's very, very common. I was watching a movie on the weekend with Julia Roberts and Clive Owen. I think it's called Duplicity. And it's about these two operatives. When they first meet, she works for the CIA. He works for MI6, which is the British intelligence. And uh, they 
they fall in love, but neither of them can trust the other one because they're so intensely duplicitous. And uh, so they're caught up in these special relationships, trying to get to a real relationship. And uh, the two of them are so completely ego identified and everything they're doing is manipulating people's egos. So they're really ego experts. And of course, they don't trust anyone or anything, including themselves. And they keep repeating the painful past in various ways. And what they're trying to do, the ideal for them is a special relationship. And many people feel that. And there's a moment in the movie where uh, Clive Owen's character uh, seduces this woman who works in this travel agency. And he he does it by appearing as this somewhat bumbling but very attractive doctor who works for Doctors Without Borders and he's his flight's been canceled and he's trying to get to Africa to help these kids and she's like, I work at a travel agency, I can help you. And what he's really trying to do is get inside the building so he can do espionage. And so he completely seduces her in his very charming way and makes her feel super, super special. And so later when it's discovered that um, she, this woman was the access point for the, for the espionage and she is being interviewed by Julia Roberts, who is completely without any kind of empathy or sympathy for her because not only has she betrayed her company, this woman uh, who was seduced, she also, of course, was seduced by the man that Julia Roberts' character cares about. So Julia Roberts is twice as bothered, condescending, uninterested, uh, in this woman's story, she and this woman is crying, mascara running down her face, and she's like, "He made me so feel so special, and I wanted to help the children. He, he, he you know, I just wanted to help the children." And uh, Julia Roberts's character could care less. She's pissed because she knows the guy she cares about seduce this woman, so. But the woman it, it gives a fantastic performance, really, saying, um, he made me feel so special. I've never felt so special. And then she's like, it was worth it. It was ab- She's going to be fired, of course. And she was, it was worth it. It was worth it to feel that special. And she says to Julia Roberts, you probably don't have any idea what it feels like. People make you feel special all the time. And so this is the truth of many people's experience. I, as you know, I've been a spiritual counselor for decades now, and it's very common to, or, you know, I've certainly experienced it a number of times, um, where... People get seduced and conned, robbed, betrayed because that person does make them feel special and they don't feel worthwhile on their own. They don't feel lovable on their own and this person runs a game on them. And the thing is... I've had many times in my life, I've had someone try to do that to me, seduce me by making me feel special. And there were times when it, it, it has kind of worked for me for an hour or two. And then I realize, oh, they're just running a game. Uh, but sometimes people, they want to feel special so, so badly that they'll just go all the way for it. Disregarding all their intuition. 
And then it's very painful for them later because they have to realize that they knew the person was conning them the whole time. But they didn't want to know it. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to feel it. And the whole experience is a review of the painful past, reminding them their interpretation is, I'm not actually lovable. I'm not actually worthwhile. And so I prostituted myself for some attention, for a little bit of something, a little bit of affection, a little bit of thinking for a moment someone cared about me. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And we must forgive ourselves for these things. We must, so that we don't have to repeat them anymore. And we don't have to live a a painful, solitary life where we're punishing ourselves because we don't trust ourselves. Oh my goodness. It's time for my break already. Golly gee. Let me just say... I'm so grateful to be connecting with you through these airwaves. (laughs) And on that note, I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're walking the talk. We're living the love. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. So we're talking about giving up the habit of repeating the painful past. We're allowing ourselves to break free of the special relationships. So stop repeating the painful past. That is my topic this week. And the special relationship experience that people repeat again and again and again. It comes from a sense of deep unworthiness, of not enoughness, that we're not able to have a holy relationship, or so we think. We're not even able to conceive of a holy relationship. So one of the antidotes for us is to Invoke the Holy Spirit, the higher self, the Holy Spirit self, into all of our relationships to make all of our relationships holy. Let all of our relationships be holy. Let love prevail in every relationship. We can do this. We can absolutely do this. It's so simple. And then we'll get guidance, direction, of how to shift our thinking so that the relationship becomes one of love and holiness. Now, um, oh, actually, before I go on, let me just say, I'm doing my Undoing Unworthiness three-part class this week. I really like doing a three-part class within a short period of time. So it's this Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's different times each day because we've got people in Europe, people in Australia, people across uh, North America, South America. We've got people all over the world, so we do our best to try and fit in all the time zones. The Undoing Unworthiness three-part class is a bonus if you're in Masterful Living this year or next year. So this is an incentive if you've been thinking about enrolling in Masterful Living, come now, get your bonuses. There are more bonuses. So the sooner you enroll, the more bonuses you get. (laughs) And so I'm inviting you to join right now. And just think of it, the next bonus after the Undoing Unworthiness three-part class, which anyone can sign up for, but it's a free bonus for Masterful Living folks. The next one is New Year's Reboot on New Year's Day. So uh, come get this one. And we have uh, all kinds of things for you to partake of if you participate in Masterful Living now, you register now, and it's wonderful to see the new folks showing up 
in the community, taking full advantage of everything we offer. Also, if you're not sure about joining me in Masterful Living, you can book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. It's a free call, and they'll answer any question you have about our programs. So if you go to the Masterful Living page at jenniferhadley.com, you can find the button there to click and book a an exploratory call at a time that's convenient for you with one of the spiritual counselors. They are so happy to answer any questions you have. They love to, to do it. It's one of their favorite things to do. So there you go. All right, so... Back to chapter 16, section 7, which is entitled The End of Illusions. We're at paragraph 3 here, where Jesus says, Do not underestimate the intensity of the ego's drive for vengeance on the past. It is completely savage and completely insane. For the ego remembers everything you've done that has offended it and seeks retribution of you. The fantasies it brings to its chosen relationships in which to act out its hate are fantasies of your destruction. For the ego holds the past against you, and in your escape from the past, it sees itself deprived of the vengeance it believes you so justly merit." Yet, without your alliance in your own destruction, the ego could not hold you to the past. In the special relationship, you are allowing your destruction to be. Let's say that again. In the special relationship, you are allowing your destruction to be. That this is insane is obvious. But what is less obvious is that the present is useless to you while you pursue the ego's goal as its ally. So when we enter into special relationships, we're allied or aligned with the ego thought system, and we are agreeing to our own destruction. Now, our, our, our spiritual self cannot be destroyed, but... The physical manifestation of our spiritual self in this world, in our experience as a body, that can be destroyed. That can be fraught with suffering, as we well know. Now, paragraph four, the past is gone. Seek not to preserve it in the special relationship that binds you to it and would teach you salvation is past. And so you must return to the past to find salvation. What does that mean? So think about when you have a sense of, if you could just redo the past, you would experience salvation. If you could just have explained something, if you could have just been more loving, if you could have just spoken up for yourself, if you could have just turned left instead of right. When we enter into the special relationship now, Today, we're basically trying to rewrite the past because we are not believing we are worthy of the holy relationship. This is why I do this series of classes on worthiness and undoing unworthiness at this time of year. A, so that we can have a new experience at the holidays with our loved ones and not repeat the painful special relationship experiences with our family, with our relatives, with our old friends. Uh, B, another reason why I do these worthiness classes at this time of year now is so that people can put their attention on this and have a new approach to the new year and move out of the attachment to the special relationships. This time of year, there's more attention focused on the Christ than any other time of year. And we are the Christ. So let us be reborn in our Christedness 
and let all special relationships dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never experience them again. Jesus says there is no fantasy that does not contain the dream of retribution for the past. Would you act out the dream or let it go? Let's move out of the dream and into the real world of perfect love. We can do it, and the only time we can do it is now. So let's call for all holy relationships all the time. Paragraph 5, he says, In the special relationship, it does not seem to be an acting out of vengeance that you seek. And even when the hatred and the savagery break briefly through, the illusion of love is not profoundly shaken. Yet the one thing the ego never allows to reach awareness is that the special relationship is the acting out of vengeance on yourself. What else could it be? In seeking the special relationship, you look not for glory in yourself. You have denied that it is there. And the relationship becomes your substitute for it. Get it? That's the thing about special relationship. I I call it you plus me equals shelter from the storm. You loving me, liking me, being in my life, caring for me is my glory. So not my innate goodness, my innate magnificence, my innate perfection. No, it's the relationship with you which becomes my glory. And it's my idolizing you, you idolizing me that becomes the glory. This is the way of the special relationship. And of course, it has to fall apart because that's what happens with false idols. That's always what happens. It all falls apart. Now let's go to chapter 29, section 7, which is entitled, Seek Not Outside Yourself. Let's go to paragraph 5, where Jesus is talking about idols here. He says, idols must fall because they have no life. And what is lifeless is a sign of death. You came to die. And what would you expect but to perceive the signs of death you seek? No sadness and no suffering proclaim a message other than an idol found that represents a parody of life, which, in its lifelessness, is really death, conceived as real and given living form. Yet each must fail and crumble and decay, because a form of death cannot be life, and what is sacrificed cannot be whole." So in in these two sections, Jesus is saying to us that the special relationship, which is all about having false idols instead of a real relationship, that this is, it's not a real life, it's death. It's a form of illness. It is a form of being in the dead zone. In the next paragraph, he says, All idols of this world were made to keep the truth within from being known to you and to maintain allegiance to the dream that you must find what is outside yourself in order to be complete and happy. So this is the whole essence of the special relationship. All idols of this world were made to keep the truth within from being known to you, to hide the truth. That's what the idols are for. That's what the special relationship is for. Conversely, the holy relationship is to reveal the truth and set us free. So Jesus says, and to the, so, so the special relationships, the idols of this world, were made to keep the truth from being known to us, 
the truth that is installed within us. It's part of our very essence, nature, and beingness. It's also to maintain allegiance to the dream that you must find what is outside yourself in order to be complete and happy. Seeking in the world. This is what special relationships perpetuate, is looking in the world for the causes of our happiness, our peace, instead of looking within. Instead of seeking within to find the kingdom, look outside yourself. This is the tragedy of the special relationship, is that we're looking outside of ourselves instead of to our own holiness, and then sharing that holiness with anybody we're in relationship with. He goes on to say, it is vain to worship idols in the hope of peace. Right, But that's what we do in special relationships. You plus me equals shelter from the storm. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the safety. I'm looking for the peace. I'm looking for the love. I'm looking for the joy. Looking in all the wrong places and faces. Jesus says, God dwells within and your completion lies in God. No idol takes God's place. Look not to idols. Do not seek outside yourself. Do not look to idols. See, if we're looking to idols for validation, for completion, the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. If we're looking outside ourselves for this completion, for this validation, for this acceptance, for our sense of self-worth, if we're looking that, oh, if we have the right body, then we'll feel good about ourselves. Oh, if we have the right relationship, the right amount of money, the right home in the right neighborhood, the right car, all these things, then we'll feel uh, valuable and, and validated. When this is our approach, then we're never going to get to the place we'd like to go because we are looking outside of ourselves rather than looking for the kingdom within. God dwells within and your completion lies in God. We're already there, you see, is another way to say it. You're looking for completion, it's already there within you. It's in your life of God that you're living False idols are just going to distract you and make you believe that you're not worthy of love. That That's the fallout from the special relationship. There's nothing good about the special relationship except maybe the sex in the beginning or something like that, you know. But even that is, is it's like a Venus flytrap kind of a situation. Right, so it's it's luring you in to your death is really what uh, we could say. Paragraph seven here again. We're chapter twenty nine, section seven. Now in paragraph seven, let us forget the purpose of the world. The past has given it, for otherwise the future will be like the past, and but a series of depressing dreams in which all false idols fail you one by one, and you see death and disappointment everywhere. To change all this and open up a road of hope and of release in what appeared to be an endless circle of despair, you need but to decide you do not know the purpose of the world. You gave it goals it does not have, and thus do you decide what it is for. Remember, everything in this world is neutral. If we're looking to get validation from the outside, we are actually affirming that we are not worthy of love. When we're looking to get validation from the outside, we are affirming that we are not worthy of love. And that's what happens in special relationships. 
And that's why they're so painful. Ah, so glad that we can let the past go. So glad that we don't have to keep repeating it. Yes. Uh, In in, uh, chapter 31, section 4, paragraph 2, Jesus says, Real choice is no illusion, but the world has none to offer. All its roads but lead to disappointment, nothingness, and death. There is no choice in its alternatives. Seek not escape from problems here. The world was made that problems could not be escaped. Be not deceived by all the different names its roads are given. But they have one end, and each is but the means to gain that end. For it is here that all its roads will lead, however differently they seem to start, however differently they seem to go. Their end is certain, for there is no choice among them. All of them will lead to death. On some you travel gaily for a while before the bleakness enters, and on some the thorns are felt at once. The choice is not what will be the ending, but when it comes. So let us remember to laugh. Let us decide to live a joyful life and not keep repeating the past. So one of the fastest paths to giving up the painful past is to call for all holy relationships. Again, we don't have to figure out how to have a holy relationship. That is not our job. Our job is to say to the Holy Spirit, please make my relationships holy. That's what I'm interested in. Now, in order for us to have a holy relationship, we do have to stop judging and attacking our loved ones. I've had some beautiful conversations in the Worthiness Workshop, and I think you can still get that free, uh, my free workshop that I did last week. So check that out at jenniferhadley.com. It was really good. Conversations were really good, and I think you can still get the replay of it. Because there's this tendency to think that uh, withholding love in relationships and trying to negotiate our relationships from an ego perspective that somehow we can be successful in that and that we can find happiness in that. But it will be a constant parade of repeating the past. That's the thing about special relationships. Holy relationships take us out of the painful past. And this is what we can have with everyone. We can have all holy relationships all the time. All that's required is for us to be willing. To be really willing. And even if the other people in the relationship don't seem to be changing, we don't give up. Why would we give up on the Holy Spirit? Because we don't think we're worthy which again just brings more emphasis to why I feel it's so important that we put real attention on these worthiness issues. And to feel worthy of love, the fastest path is to simply be loving without needing anything in return, without needing any validation, without needing any appreciation, without needing any recognition. But just to be loving because that is our way. Because that is being honest. The number two characteristic of God's teachers. That we're living an honest life. That we're being consistently loving. And that in and of itself is a workout for our consciousness. 
to give up withholding love and to give up attacking feeling uh, that we can blame others for how we feel and manipulate others, keep score, all the different things that are the ego reindeer games that we play. You know, we're moving out of that so we can really live in this place of pure presence, pure, pristine awareness. That is the true joy, and we can have it. It's, it's so doable for us. We put spirit in charge of our lives instead of being the, the one who's in charge of everything, who's right all the time. We put spirit in charge And in humility, we become followers, we become disciples, and we develop discipline in order to be a good disciple. And we're led, guided, we're fed and lifted by the higher Holy Spirit self. And this is how we escape repeating the painful past. So moving out of special relationships into holy relationships putting the Holy Spirit in charge of our relationships. And it is remarkable, it is miraculous, and it is ours to do. It really is. Yes. One more thing I'd like to share, or two more things before I go. One is that many people, every year, so many people in Masterful Living tell me that they'd been thinking about it for years And they only wish that they hadn't delayed. So if you've been thinking about it for years, don't delay. Really, please. Book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. See if it's right for you right right now. Every year people tell me how the application of the teachings in Masterful Living led them to a more prosperous life, a healthier life, a happier life, a more abundant life, a life that they really love. And this is what I wish for you. So I'd also like to say thank you to all those who tithe. It's just It's extraordinary. It's wonderful that we can be in this flow together. Let's place our hands on our heart and be so grateful and thankful to be led and guided to holy relationships. We let the healing happen, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.